Thank you, Joan. I can understand the reticence of some folk to know whether to come today or whether not to come today with uh, all the toing and froing. We flow with that at the moment. So we understand there are those who just don't feel comfortable coming at the moment till things just settle down again. But millions of people around the world have been thrust into the raw emotion of aloneness in ways which they could never have imagined pre-COVID. It's had an enormous impact on the emotional well-being globally. Of course, some people love isolation and love their own company and think, oh, it's good to get away from the rat race and just have me time. Last uh, Christmas Day, I phoned one of our young men who was returning home from some months overseas. He made it into Australia after many attempts. Finally, he got here, but I phoned him on Christmas Day because last Christmas Day, I knew he was alone in quarantine in a hotel room in Sydney. He's an active, energetic young man, but now totally isolated in one room, 24 hours a day, no family, no friends, and it was Christmas Day. So what else could I do? I thought, I'll pick up the phone and give him a call. It was great to share with him. Then beyond that sort of scenario, there's been, of course, the isolation of elderly and those who are ill with no family members who have been able to share with them, share their tangible love. That's been tough. Of course, at a deeper level still, there's been the isolation of those who have, been, who have been dying without any loved one at all to be with them. No one to hold their hand, at least family member, loved one, in their deepest hour of need. Uh, I can only imagine the aloneness I feel sorry for some of our more senior people who have been in nursing homes and then I front up in full PPE gear and with a mask, my glasses fog up, but add the PPE gear and the plastic shield in front and I can see nothing whatsoever. And I can imagine what some of the dear people thought when I came and they wanted, thought an alien had come to them. 
Well, they were right on that account. Now, leaving the experience of COVID aside, many of us here today know the pain of aloneness on the passing of your loved one. Or for some, the pain of separation in marriage. You know that was a tough, lonely journey. And for any of those situations in which any of us may find ourselves, words cannot describe the waves of aloneness in the middle of the night. Is that not true? Of course, it's true that one can feel alone in a crowded room. You don't know anybody. And you just feel so isolated. And did you know you can even feel alone in church? Oh, yes, you can. Those who travel alone come into the house of God and sit alone. And feel, I don't want to be a bird, I don't want to push in here, I don't want to be and you, You're in isolation. I think you know what I mean. In fact, I've had folks share with me. They've said, Trevor, I can't come. Because when I walk in, I just feel, I don't want to be an imposition on anybody. I haven't got anybody with me. They may not want my company. Other folk may, they may not. I don't know. So I just sit here and it gets a bit painful. So I stay home. I understand where they're coming from. It's very real. So, of course, we could recount situation after situation where the dark cloud of aloneness threatens to overwhelm our soul and nobody quite understands. You know that feeling, don't you? Nobody else quite understands where you're at. Now, of course, it's all part of our humanness that we may experience such emotions along the journey of life. But I want to share some spiritual reminders today in the midst of these realities, some spiritual reminders about the Lord's presence with us through every chapter of life's journey. We know the truth, but if you're anything like me, tell me the story often, for I forget so soon. Now, as I share just a few things this morning, uh, reminding us of the Lord's presence with us as believers, at the same time, I don't want to trivialise the reality of aloneness. It's raw and it's oh so real. So you see where we're going? 
But we want to focus in on the Lord Jesus here. Throughout the Bible, we encounter well-known Bible characters who needed all the assurance and reassurance of God's presence with them. They're one with us. Just a couple of examples. Let's go to the Old Testament for a start. Now Moses, <laughs> what a confident man he was. Yeah, bring it on. Moses was facing the enormous challenge of leading the children of Israel at God's command, but he shook in his boots, so to speak. He felt so alone and he felt so inadequate. The demands were so great as he contemplated what lay before him. I can't. And the Lord took time out to have a personal chat with Moses, just as he's doing this morning. Really, I'm just a mouthpiece. It's the Lord having a personal chat with us this morning. Well, he had a chat with Moses and he assured him and with these beautiful words. Oh, get it. Get it. It's beautiful. This is what the Lord said to him. Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Wonderful. So Moses, of course, had to chirp in and he replied to the Lord according to Exodus 33. He replied, well, if your presence does not go with me, Lord, then I ain't going nowhere. We identify with that, don't we? Well, when it comes to Moses' successor, Joshua, Moses now had to have a good chat with Joshua, for he now was shaking in his boots, feeling his isolation and his inadequacy in the light of the challenge that was his as he'd take over the leadership of God's people. And Joshua had to learn the same truth that Moses had learned. So as Joshua was standing there saying, oh, 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 no. This is what Moses said to Joshua. Joshua, the Lord himself, you see, every word's important in the word of God. Sometimes when I'm reading the word of God, I've got to underline things or highlight it. Because one thing just emphasizes another. It's sort of bang, 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 when you really stop to think of it. Look at this verse. The Lord himself goes before you and, and will be with you. And... He will never leave you, 
end, nor will he ever forsake you. So, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Does somebody need that word this morning? Take King David. We've already read some of the scriptures Phil shared with us from the Psalms. Here's another one with King David. On one occasion, David wrote these words by inspiration. Listen to them. So where can I go from your spirit, Lord? Where could I flee from your presence? If I were to go up to the heavens, you were there. If I were to make my bed in the depths, you were there. Well, if I got the next plane out of town to go to the Caribbean or somewhere else, well, actually the text says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. Do you see what I mean by every word? It's, it's so personal. The Lord's speaking to my heart. King David, bless you for writing this. That's blessed me so many times. There's so many verses about the presence of the Lord. In fact, just reading through the Psalms, you get about the presence of the Lord and many facets of the presence of the Lord. It's beautiful. Now, we're coming to the second part now. Let's talk for a moment about the Lord Jesus himself. We come to the New Testament and we encounter the Lord Jesus breaking through God, revealing, to him, revealing himself to us in the Lord Jesus, who came to live amongst us the perfect life, went to the cross to bear my sins upon the tree, bore my guilt, sinless Son of God, took my sin upon himself, paid the atoning sacrifice, to reconcile me to God. And at the cross, the veil of the temple was rent asunder and the believer through the cross has been ushered into the very presence of God through the atoning sacrifice of Christ. You don't get that in any other religion of the world because this is revelation from the God who loves us and gave himself for us and gave himself to us. So Jesus, before, just before the cross, Jesus told his disciples that after the cross and the resurrection, he would ascend again to his Father in heaven. 
And the disciples were saddened because they've had the Lord Jesus with them. And the thought that Jesus would now leave them and not be with them just caused grief in their hearts. Remember, this was in the context where Jesus said, um, um, in my father's house are many dwelling places, but not so I would have told you. It's all in that chapter. And Jesus said, you know the way, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, I'm going to go away. My father and the disciples said, oh, no, 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 brother, you can't leave us. We need you. Jesus reassured them at that point that he would never leave them as orphans. That's what John's, how John puts it. For God would send his Holy Spirit to indwell everyone who put their trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you believe in me, if you trust in my atoning work on the cross for you, and that I'll give new life because I live, you can live also. If you believe that, now when the work on the cross is finished and I return to my Father, just a little while, and I'm going to come to you by my Holy Spirit to live within you. Oh, it's just getting better and better. This is what Jesus said. Catch this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, counselor, one called alongside to help, that's the meaning of the word, to help you and be with you on Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. No, the text says forever. Praise God for that. The Holy Spirit of truth the world cannot receive him because it no longer sees him and they don't know him. But you know him for he lives with you, but he will be in you. And on the 50th day after the resurrection, God sent the Holy Spirit to live within the life of the believer. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that marvelous? Every believer in this building today has Jesus by his Holy Spirit indwelling 24-7. My, my heart just gets overwhelmed. You know, in fact, in John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus says something that's very interesting. Jesus promised, and again, each word's important. Listen to this. We will come to you and make our home with you. We? Who's the we? 
Remember John 14 in the first verse? Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Because I'm the revelation of God. I've come to reconcile you to God. Jesus is God. We, who is he referring to? He's referring to his father and himself. And how is this ministered? By his Holy Spirit. What? Do you mean to tell me that in me, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has come into intimate fellowship with me by faith in Christ? Yes, yes, yes. It's true. And you know when it says, and we will make our home with you, the construction of the text does not refer to a tent holiday, the perils of which I have experienced in my youth more times than I care to remember. Standing on that storm-beaten tent at ground level with lightning flashing everywhere. No, no, this construction is permanent, intimate residence and relationship. Always present to love, to comfort, to cheer, to help, to guide, to provide, so on, 24-7. Praise God, what a saviour, what a saviour. Oh, Trevor, you better wind up. Do you know the Apostle Paul gets so taken up with this wonderful theme of Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ in me. that he talks about it time and time again in his letters. We who have come to trust in Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, says Paul, we not only have Jesus with us, but we have Jesus in us. Paul writes, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We're not our own, we've been bought with a price. We have, and we're to glorify God in our body and our spirits that belong to him. Our bodies, the naos, the holy of holies of his presence. That's what Paul said. And that's not all. Oh boy, Trevor, we can only take so much in. Please, wind up. But there's more. i just got to say this. Not only is Christ with us and Christ is in us by the Holy Spirit, but we, says the Apostle Paul, are also, can you guess what's going to come next? We are in Christ. Hey, the wonderful. With 
I in Christ, and Christ in me. Listen to this verse from John's, one of his three letters, 1 John, chapter 4, 13. Listen to this wonderful verse. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. See the union. That's beautiful. When we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, if you like, baptizes us, plunges us into Christ. And through the precious blood of Christ, we are accepted in Christ and Christ liveth in me. What more blessed union. Actually, when Paul writes, he gets so blown away with this theme, and I thank the Lord he did. Just in his letter to the Ephesians alone, no fewer than 27 times, he says, you're in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, or in him, or words to, that, to the equivalent. Isn't that wonderful? In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, I'm in him. And then, of course, he keeps telling us that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And we know Christ is with us. Oh, it's all too wonderful. It's all too wonderful. So there we are. I guess Romans 8. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are, you know the rest of the verse? In Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. See, it's all, it's all there. Okay, let's just boil it down to three little truths that we take home with us today. Three profound truths that are ours in Christ. Christ is with me. Christ is in me. And I am in Christ. I think we should just pause there. And I'd like to sing a little song. Well, I'm not going to sing it mercifully for you. But there's a little song from yesteryear that we've resurrected. The Musees will come for this. It will just help reinforce this truth. Because one, one time when we take this a little bit further, I want to also add how the Lord in his mercy has put us within his body, the church to help us grow in all these truths and in fellowship one with the other and in friendship and consolation and prayerfulness and in the ministry of the word. And that's a wonderful gift, the body of Christ into which he's placed believers. But this is the little song and the musos are going to, the, the singers are going to sing the verse and we're going to join in the chorus. 
And the song just goes like this. I remember it from a hundred years ago. Once far from God, dead in sin, no light my heart could see. But in God's word, the light I found, now Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. Christ liveth in me, and now I know I live in Christ, and Christ liveth in me. When all alone my heart grows faint, by faith I've come to see. For now I know I live in Christ, and Christ liveth in me. Isn't that beautiful? Hey. Feel you lead us through. Stay with me. Sing it together. Let's stand. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. bless you for these wonderful truths that we've been reminded of this morning we thank you lord for the wonderful union there is in our relationship with you father son and holy spirit thank you holy trinity that you've totally given yourself to us not just for us but you've given yourself to us you dwell in us you abide in us and we abide in you and nothing can ever separate us from that wonderful union. So we do rejoice this morning. Father, we bless you. Thank you so much for these truths that have been 
we've been reminded of, and perhaps for some it's a new, it's a new revelation. We are not alone. We're definitely not alone. We have the triune God dwelling with us and in us and living his life through us. Lord, we can't do this life. We can't do it. It's not possible, but you can and you do. You live your life through us. So we bless you, Lord, and say thank you for the wonderful time we've had this morning, being able to worship you through the medium of song, through prayer, and then just being able to dwell upon the truths of your word. We bless you and thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.